Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amateur Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Jordan Eggleston on Twitter, at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek, at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Sorry, we are a little bit late today getting this podcast out i will take 100 full blame with that lots of emotions uh happening with your boy greek last night i uh as i put out on twitter i officiated a wedding you know a little anxiety wrapped around that uh you, you gotta kind of perform a little bit right after the ceremony was over a release of that uh emotion then right into the pregame emotion that one gets before a, a big football contest and uh, let's just say, uh, you know what? I'm gonna blame it on the bartenders. They were they kind of overserved me last night. So <laughs> I'm not moving fast today. Well, you know, when you have that built up anxiety, you gotta you gotta have a release of some sort. And when there happens to be bourbon around, that just always seems to work easier that way. It was actually awesome. So, by the way, shout out to uh, uh, Becky and Joe. Great great marriage last night. Friends of ours. They you know they hosted drinks right typically. This is how I roll on a hosted drink wedding. I don't like any of the hosted drinks, so I wind up just spending money anyway because I can't I can't drink swaggy beer and wine. I'm just I'm just pretentious like that, I guess. Well, they had one hosted cocktail, and it was an old fashioned. And I'm like, this is gonna be a long night. And, and sure you, enough, you are in trouble now. <laughs> now I don't know about you, but when there's a hosted drink, I still tip you know, each round or every other round, right? You still got to, even though it's yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be anything huge, but something is always yeah. nice. Yeah, so get, give them a little something, something. So, right. yeah, surrounded by Plus, some... you know, maybe the next one's a little stronger. That possibly could be, you know, maybe that's how that part went down. So I guess that the blame comes back on me again with that. But anyways, <laughs> long story short, if if the words aren't exactly flowing from, from me today, you know why the brain, the brain is just now refiring. Shout out to my parents too. They took after they looked after uh, the boys so we could go party. It was it was, it was uh, one of the ancient Greeks' birthdays. It was my dad's birthday on uh, Saturday, so so shout out to my dad uh, who is a Hawkeye fan, and it would have been great uh, for him to have a birthday present of Iowa winning, but that's not how that went down. So should we go ahead and just jump into the game? Well, right now? well, you know, unfortunately for him, it was my birthday too. So the birthday oh, present for real? Yeah, oh. Saturday yesterday was my birthday. <laughs> Happy belated, man. Holy yeah, cow. Right? You, you and the old man shared a birthday like that. I didn't right? know that. Okay. All go. right. Well, you you did have a good birthday, unfortunately. All right. Our <laughs> game, our one game to break down. Michigan, 26, Iowa, 0. The Wolverines with 213 yards of total offense to the Hawkeyes, 155. So a quick game reset. Well, the first thing I guess I'll just start out with is... First series of the game, Iowa on offense, three and out, punt. Nice punt by Tory Taylor. Michigan's offense takes the ball over, has a nice, nice drive, one or two fourth down conversions to keep the drive alive, but ultimately can't get in the end zone and kick a field goal to go up three nothing. That first two drives essentially set the tone for the game because that's essentially what we saw for most of this game on Saturday night. Yeah, that's, I mean, the way the the way it started out, and I was just sitting there watching, I'm like, man, it's exactly how this whole game's going to be, isn't it? It's going to be two teams that just have to work their ass off for absolutely anything and everything. 
thing and you're hoping for a touchdown and maybe you'll settle for goal because it's probably all you're going to get the majority of this game. And outside of the few boom plays that happened, that's essentially what the game was. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then 10, nothing uh, uh, Michigan off of a, a punt return touchdown. At some point I was going to say this. So I might as well. Well, just he say didn't score on the punt return. He got right down, knocked set out. up touchdown. He, got, he flat out said, I got gassed. I got tired of yeah, and shout out to uh, Iowa DB Cohen Entringer down the field, missed Dude. the play, recovered, flies all the way down the field to to force him out of bounds. That was that was one of the better hustle plays you will ever see. Out of I mean, kid. if you think about it, the dude sprinted like 145 yards. Yeah, in the combine of that play to make that play, that that's impressive as all yep. hell. No, it was, a, it was a heck of an effort. Then of course. What was it? A two-yard run, I believe, uh, by Blake Corum. It, Would you have bet on anything else? I mean, come of on. course not. So ten nothing at that point. You're you're immediately not feeling great as a Hawkeye fan, mostly because you know you and I sat there. Anybody that's going to break this game down last week came to the same conclusion, which is Iowa needs to win the turnover battle and probably make a play on special teams. The biggest special teams play of the day goes to Michigan. Iowa has three turnovers and Michigan zero. So speaking of zero, there's a 0% chance Iowa is going to pull a game out versus a team as caliber of, of, of Michigan if they have stats like that. I'm not saying that was the entire game, but it was a big chunk of the game. That they're, I, I, It'll be tough for me to word this because this is going to take delicate wording, plus that my brain's not working. But, but going into this game... I, I was trying to be extremely uh, 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 facetious on the last podcast. My thoughts towards Michigan fans, how they thought about Iowa and the mismatch coming into this game. Michigan was definitely the better team. I want to be clear here, but Iowa deserved to be on the field with Michigan at least for two thirds of you know defense. Iowa's defense, special teams, certainly the offense was not up to snuff. Like these two, these were two good teams playing, but Iowa made the mistakes Michigan didn't. That's that's just how it goes in the sport of football. Yeah, I, I mean, I texted you at one point during the game, and the Iowa defense it was hurting me to watch it because these dudes just you kept thinking, you know, you Michigan had schemed up and had called, and it's like, oh, that's good, that's going to work, and then all of a sudden it just didn't, right? Because another Iowa defender filled a gap the way they were supposed to and was in the right place every single time and i don't know if he is or not but is, is sebastian castro graduating please tell me he is because i don't want to see that guy anymore jesus yeah he's just everywhere on every play him and sebastian, jay higgins i got tired of hearing their name yeah 23 tackles between jay higgins and sebastian castro 11 of them being solo absolute crime i'm sorry that jay higgins was not the linebacker of the year in the big 10 he proved it again on a huge stage on saturday night sebastian castro getting voted, I think, third team or honorable mention. Another slight that Iowa fans didn't take well to. Anybody that watches Iowa and maybe just tuned in for on Saturday night for the first time, I think at least have to be impressed by how those guys uh, fly around the field and make the plays. They certainly, certainly were annoying the hell out of me. If those two weren't there in points, Michigan had days there. It's just, yep. It always seemed like it was one of those two that found a way to make that play. And I, I, I'm curious on your thoughts. We all know the Michigan offensive line has been, you know, elite the past two or three years. They, they struggled uh, against that Iowa front seven. M most of the game, the the yards came by. They, they were tough for Michigan. If like look at their stats here, 
real quick 34 carries for 66 yards that's a that's now that's sacks in there uh, a 1.9 yard average but Blake Corum just a 3.3 yard average on 16 carries so the the yards were a tough uh, on the on the ground for both offenses all night yeah I mean you got JJ had negative 35 yards with all the sacks so I mean you take that out of it that helps a little bit but the number it, it was still every single run that Michigan had it was it was contested it yep. was they were tough yards this offensive line has been it's I mean it's obviously been what Michigan was built on the last two seasons and it's it's been talked about in Michigan circles that this offensive line this year wasn't the last two years lines and then you take in losing Zach Zinner I know he's just a guard but he oh, might be one of the best guards in the country and the continuity that comes with that you could see it so you have to hope now with this stretch that that they can get a little bit healthier because I know Drake Nugent was banged up too uh Ladarius Henderson's been playing through something with a leg so hopefully they can get healthy but that Iowa front just they, and yeah. it, they didn't have to bring that biggest problem for me it was they were just winning at the line of scrimmage more than they were losing one of the semi arguments I tried to make on Twitter today between naps and my brain shutting down is I've heard a lot of people talk about how Michigan better clean up their offense if they you know before they get into the playoffs yada yada I would like to point out that three of the last four teams that Michigan played were Penn State, Ohio State, and Iowa. Adding Michigan in, those four teams are the top four teams in the country for points per game allowed. Okay, folks, give me all give all the Big Ten offenses suck crap that you want to try to just completely throw away the fact these are good defenses is ridiculous. Like if there was any doubt that Iowa had a good defense, I, I think they proved that again last night. These are the best defenses that Michigan will have gone against the whole year, you know, even going into play mighty Alabama, which we'll obviously get into. So the combination of not playing one of these defenses, and I think Michigan's offense getting healthier, I think we'll see that. But on Saturday night, it, it was just a struggle bus for any time anybody had the ball. Yeah, I mean, you saw, in my opinion, two of the two best, if not two of the best defenses in the country, put on a defensive clinic because there yeah. just wasn't there wasn't anything out there for anybody. I mean, if they're well open, they <laughs> had to work your ass to get it. I know Michigan had a couple big drops. I know Iowa had a couple big drops. On it seemed like every single one of the drops for both teams that happened were on third down too. So it's like they couldn't be bigger drops. I know Colston Lovell had a big one. Mm -hmm. um, Nico, is it Ragahini? Is that Raggedy. actually how Raggedy. it is? Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. He had a big drop on a yeah. third down, but it just seemed like all the major drops happened on third down. But the guy for Iowa that I do want to shout out, out that hopefully stick down and does come in, Brown is becoming a player. Yeah. Like he's starting to show the signs of what, if I, the, what the talent that he was as a recruit. He was getting open early on, and he was making plays. He, that kid's going to be talented. That's a piece that Iowa is really going to be able to use next year if what they're saying, Kate's coming back and all the other players coming in. That's going to help. Yeah, it's it's the thought process. If you're trying to be optimistic about Iowa's offenses, we're going to have a different coordinator. Cade comes back. A couple of these guys that developed this year. It would have been great to see what they would look like if those guys could have played this year. I, I don't think the offense is – you know, exploding off the screen by any stretch, but it, it would have been better. But again, the story of this game is, is the story of most games with Iowa. Uh, most things look good except for the offense, and and that's and and that's where you're at. Um, another thing to probably worth talking about is ten nothing 
midway through the third quarter, Iowa has the ball deep in their own territory. Listen, before we get into it, I just want to, you know, preface this. I don't think Iowa's going to win the game, okay, Jordan? And I, I haven't talked to a single Iowa fan that thought they would win the game if this call went differently. But on second or third down, I think it was third, I think it was second down, I believe, uh, Iowa quarterback Deacon Hill drops back to throw the ball. The ball goes up in the air, deflection on the field. It's called incomplete, whistle, player stop, Harbs. Calls over to the official, says they want to take a look at it. It gets reversed. Ball, Michigan. They score on the next play. Um, I don't know what to tell you, Jordan, but when I got Nebraska and Minnesota fans tweeting and DMing me saying that that was BS, that's enough confirmation for me to say that 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 call was that call was some BS. Well, I mean, when it happened, and I know you were a little occupied, I, I put in our group chat right away. I'm like, that's that's a bad call, like. If, I didn't see if that. they okay. called it a fumble on the field, then then I get it. But they called it incomplete. Like you can't go back and reverse that. But it, it was a bad call. Could have been a fumble. Sure, it could have been. But they that's not what they called. Like you can't take an incomplete pass in that situation with what was happening and then turn it into a fumble with a recovery. I mean, and it's I like get it. I think it's a it's a bad call. It's yeah. just another line of Big Ten refs making a call. I think they over litigated the play. Yes. Is what I think they did. And this is, and again, I I didn't know you put that in our our group chat, and I appreciate you saying that, Jordan. This, and a lot of times, this probably just falls on Big Ten refs and just referees in general, just just being ass at their job. That's probably what this is. It is tough to fight off the conspiracy theories, though. If you are a fan of a non blue blood team, let's be honest. You know, we didn't. We weren't sure if the SEC was going to get a team in there for a while. If Michigan loses that game, maybe they don't get in. When you're at, when you're Georgia, and you go all the way to the end of the year, lose and get kicked out, it could have happened to Michigan. Like, long story short, is you guys needed to win that game last night to get in the college football playoffs for sure. The Big Ten knows that as well. Like, this is good for the Big Ten and Fox to have Michigan in there. I'm not saying that that's what caused the call. It's just really hard to 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 separate the two things. It's it's. I, I don't agree with what you're saying. I understand the angle of it. I, I mean, I've I've been on here. I've said that I the blue blood teams get special treatment amongst the college football world. I mean, it's a thing. I'm a fan of one of those teams, so obviously I don't see it in right. that light all the time right. because of my fandom. But I do understand it's a thing. I mean, like you said. An SEC, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but there's yeah. an SEC team in the playoffs that I don't know deserves to be there over somebody else. Yep. So it's, it's, yeah, we'll save that for just a little bit. Anyways, that call is still 10 nothing. Um, uh, Michigan takes the ball over. Last thing I would say is I know there's some people that are just never going to like Kirk Ferentz, right? It's, you know, rivals. He's been there forever. He's beat a lot of teams, so it pisses people off, but. I would ask you every now and then to just listen to what the old man says sometimes because he might have learned a few things being a coach at a, at a power five school for 25 years. And he's essentially just saying, you know, we, this has gotten to the point of ridiculous when we are pausing the game, analyzing a play via replay when, when it's not live and then coming up with something completely different that was called it's got to be looked at in the offseason. It's ridiculous. 
and, he, and and it's it will eventually come back to get your team too at some point. So like, it's just ridiculous. So anyways, okay, I'll move on. So touchdown quorum right after that. It's 17 nothing. The game is essentially over at that point. And then uh, the only thing, you know, the only thing that was keeping my interest was can Iowa get a score or stop Michigan from scoring to to cover in the game? Uh, the under was the play. We were both wrong on the the over. Iowa's offense played worse than I thought it was going to, and Iowa's defense played better than I thought it was going to. That's how that game stayed under. And then it was just a field goal fest, and that's how we got three more field goals to make it 26 to nothing. So we weren't correct when we said um, that this would essentially be a game that Michigan just wore Iowa down. That wasn't really what we got. It was just a a stalemate that Michigan won the big plays, and that's that's how football football games go sometimes. Yeah, I mean that's and that's a credit to Iowa's defense again. They they didn't get worn down, and I would I would argue they they got stronger as the game went on. It it got harder to make those. But like I think what you said in the open of the whole thing, it's the turnovers. I mean, the, yep. the turnovers were crippling for this Iowa offense. I mean, Michigan scored two touchdowns, and both of them were on one was a special teams play, and one was that short field touchdown. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's that's massive in a game when you're talking about two defenses that are going to control the game just because of how good they are. And I hate to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game in defeat. It, it's it's you know loser mentality, but you just sit there and wonder like. If the, if the turnovers were even or Iowa was on the plus, could have we had a game? I, I think Iowa proved enough that that could have been the case. But when you allow explosive play on special teams and three turnovers, that's not what you get. And Michigan wins the game, finishes 13-0, Big Ten champions for the third time in the, the, uh, in the last three years. Iowa finished the regular season 10-3. and They've got their bowl game. The Citrus Bowl versus Tennessee will break down those bowl games a little bit later. One pause before we get into the college football playoff. We I, we talked about it a little bit before, so maybe we're a little bit more on the same page now. But on the last podcast, to reference it again, we talked about the Broyles Award. It, listen, I'm, I'm biased, but if it's not Phil Parker, we riot because his ability to put a product out that good with players that are talented. Okay, it's not like there's not talent on this defense. But not having the four and five stars to pick from, it it's it's time. It's another you know example on Saturday night of what his defenses are capable of. That's that's my stance. I, I hope Phil Parker wins that thing. I mean, if Phil Parker does win it, you're not gonna you won't see me out stomping my feet saying that that's ridiculous. No, it should be Sharon Moore. Do I think Sharon Moore has a legitimate case? Yes, I think he has a legitimate case. I don't think either decision is wrong. I think both of these coaches have done amazing in what they're doing. I think if it's anybody besides one of those two, then it's wrong. Okay. Like Phil Parker with what he did with a defense and basically playing with a hand tied behind his back because the offense was so bad is amazing. And then Sharon Moore wearing all the hats that he had to wear because of the Jim Harbaugh stuff is amazing as well. So not, not trying to argue that Sharon Moore isn't didn't do a great job this year. He certainly did. It is hard for a non-Michigan fan to separate the fact that some of the hardships that he had to fight through were because of self-inflicted wounds. So, it, it, and I'm not saying it's against Sharon Moore. I have no idea what Sharon Moore's involvement or non-involvement was with the signal stuff. 
But when the shots are coming from within your own house, it's very hard for me to feel sorry for what Sharon Moore had to to work through when, when it was coming from something that he's at least semi-involved with. So I think that will play into how people vote on this, but we'll see. It, it'll, it be inter- be it'll be interesting because, I mean, the, the Iowa hate for their offense in the national spotlight is very well known. And they've been respected for their defense. So if Parker does win this, I think that's, I mean, that's good. At least then these these media types can be a little less biased and that something is great without the other part of it being amazing. So. We will see. There's a lot of hate going around for for our squads, both both of them, you know, like that that you, you, you definitely pick out certainly from Twitter, but even kind of just listening through the tea leaves on people that are supposed to be professionals. So, all right, moving on to what then obviously turned around to be the big story of the weekend. We all knew this was going to be the big story of the weekend, which was who was going to be the top four for the college football playoffs. Really, it started on, I would say, to a certain degree on Friday night. I put a tweet out on Wednesday that essentially said, wow, you know, everybody's just thinking these favorites are just walking away with all of these games. Have you watched college football immediately turn around and Washington, despite being the undefeated team and beating Oregon in the regular season, was almost a 10 point dog on a neutral field on Friday night immediately comes out and just starts stomping Oregon. Like Oregon had no answers on, on offense. Washington looked great. Shout out to Oregon. They came back, I think got the lead at some point, right? Or at least came real close, but then Washington. I don't remember if they ever got the lead, but it was it right was within, there. within a touchdown. Yep. Uh, and then the Penix extending plays. Uh, he, the Penix stood tall in the end. He did, dude. We, uh, I was talking about the game with buddies, you know, on Saturday, and it's just incredible with that guy. I wonder how many times you think the play is over. He's kind of like backpedaling and scrambling, and he flicks the ball, and you're like, oh, he's just getting rid of the ball. That's all he's doing. He's just getting rid of it, and he drops it on the numbers. The guy's incredible, almost impossible to defend. Yeah, because every time he does it, it looks awful too. It does. It's like what the hell? Uh, what? Huh? And then it gets there, yeah, and it's like uh, it's like you said, he put it in a bucket. It's like what the hell did I just see? That guy like, is it, fun it to defies watch. logic what he does. He's fun now, to watch. Uh, now credit to, I mean, his wide receivers are elite. I mean, a yes. a, you know, those guys are elite. So when you have guys like that, it obviously helps. And you're like, oh, hey, I know my guy's out there, and he's probably better than yours. So I'm just gonna put it out that way. But he's uh, yeah, the um, Kalen DeBoer. Just I don't I haven't done a deep dive on Kalen DeBoer, but boy, he seems like a good dude. Um, it's an easy team to root for. It's not a blue blood team. It seems to be the team that most people are gravitating towards in the college football playoff when you've got the other three teams that are in. So we will get into that right now. So there was absolutely no surprise when the, the college football playoff committee, the committee came out we knew Michigan would be one and Washington two I guess there was maybe a little bit of drama that they would put Washington one and Michigan two but I, I didn't really think that was going to be the case so those are the first two teams they go out one two Michigan Washington then they dropped all the way down to six you know to build the drama of course and we had oh, Georgia yeah, gotta, gotta, gotta draw gotta build this that out. drama Georgia at six I mean a five point drop for the Bulldogs after losing by three to Alabama. Alabama was really in control that whole game, though. 
Um, so we knew Georgia was out right at that point. Yep. Yep. Then they go back to so now we we know that three, four, and five are the action, you know, spots. When they went three, Texas, that was it right there. You knew it was going to be Bama four because they can't put Bama in front of Texas. They've got the same record. Texas won head to head. And then there's Florida State at five out of the playoffs, despite being a 13 and 0 power five ACC champion. I've had couple, you know, a couple people, buddies text me, DMs, like, what do you think of this? And I just keep saying the same thing back. I cannot imagine how mad I would be if I was a Florida State fan or if I was an Iowa fan and Iowa went 13 and 0 and did not make the playoffs, I, I would want to burn buildings down. I would be so upset. And it's not like Florida State is some small brand either. Like Thank that's you. actually a name. Like they won a national title less than a wasn't it a decade ago? Like oh, no, not even that. It hasn't even been that long. Yeah, yeah. Like so, it's not like it's poor little sisters of the blind that they kept um, out. Like crazy. Ridiculous. It's, I mean, it's so it's it's the it's the argument that they're having is it most deserving or best team, and this committee is leaning on the quote unquote best teams being in, and I just I hate that argument because one it delegitimizes the games like yes. why are we playing the games 100 two if we're taking the best teams why isn't georgia in this game because clearly they're the best team by the numbers vegas says they'd be favored versus everybody i mean look at last weekend washington wasn't the best team versus oregon quote unquote by the numbers it was oregon you just said by 10 points but washington won the game right georgia was the best georgia was the best team versus alabama and guess what they lost the best team doesn't always matter. This is college football. Great it's point. the most deserving team. I don't give a damn if Florida State's down to their ninth string quarterback. They found a way to win the games without him. Correct. It's I think it's I think it's terrible for college football. And I know a lot of people are gonna listen to this and say, Oh, listen to the Michigan fan not wanting to play Bama. I don't give a shit about Bama. Bama doesn't scare me. I'm fine with that. I think it's about what's right and what's wrong in college football, and I think Florida State got absolutely screwed. Bama had a chance to be in. And they lost a game against a good team. That's that's your fault. Good city, Bear myself. That was well well laid out. One of the uh, a tweet that I put out. I, I always feel like a d bag when I quote my own tweets, but it's it's I don't know. It's the best way to do it. So I I, I don't want to say this. Well, use my brain. So I'm literally just going to read my my tweet. It'll be easier this way. <laughs> <laughs> so the college football playoff committee has Texas number three and FSU number five. I guarantee you, in capital letters, if Georgia wins last night, today it would have been Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Washington 3, Florida State 4, and Texas 5. I guarantee you that they would have kept Florida State in, and then because then you would have had the four, all four of those teams would have been undefeated. Undefeated Cowboys champs. so because and then what people I guess have come back and said, well, yeah, that makes sense. Now Texas's win over Alabama is even more impressive. I'm not saying that's not a data point, but if you really think they have they're using that as the number one determining exact. I mean, Jordan's given me the, you know, the the, the scrunched up face. It's ridiculous, man. Like 
I don't know how I don't know how any of us quote unquote common fans can feel good about this. It's it's a freaking it's a it's an invite only. I I, I mean, you know, the, there's that clip from five six years ago where the pirate um, is talking about. Well, I know what we should do. Let's let's get a committee. Well, that's what we'll we'll. we'll I mean, it's such a great job, great way to pick your top teams. I'm surprised not everybody's doing oh, a committee. It's it's hilarious, you know. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I it it makes my head hurt. And as much as Danny Cannell's been an absolute douchebag on Twitter <laughs> about all the Michigan stuff, you know, the hell out of me. You feel for all the four fans and everything because it's like you live. So basically, you can't do anything else. You did everything asked of Correct. you. And sorry about your luck. Like, and I saw that they're already the they already have legislation they're going to file against the this the playoff committee. I don't know what the hell that is or where it goes. Yeah, I don't know. But and I know like I saw something just a couple hours ago where the ACC hasn't like committed to their bowl lineup yet because they're 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 really trying to fight this thing. But what what are they? How's this going to get figured out? Yeah, I have. I don't no know idea. what it's going to do. And you're fighting against the SEC, which owns ESPN, which owns all of this. So, and you, and you got right to where I was going next, which is again conspiracy theory. A lot of them have come true the last two or three years. I'd like to point that out. And conspiracy the, theories the, are only conspiracy theories until they're proven true. Correct. What I would to not draw a direct line between ESPN the sec and bama getting in it for what it's it's ridiculous like it's ignorant. i don't think i don't think kirk herb street is an evil evil person per se but he's biased and the fact that he was already campaigning for bama to be in you know like this week before these games you know like just when people just would mention what if alabama beats georgia you're trying to say he doesn't have his voice doesn't carry weight with the committee people and stuff like that. Like it's a huge deal. And again, he's biased towards the product because they're so in bed with the sec. It's just, well, but it's comical because two weeks ago, this Alabama team pulled the most amazing miracle out of their ass ever in Auburn and a fourth and 31 play and scored a touchdown and all these animals for saying well maybe the team really just isn't there but now all of a sudden they're one of the best teams and they have to be in it's like two weeks ago this team was dead oh they, they can't even barely beat auburn who lost to new mexico state but now they're one of the best teams it's just yep. it's annoying and and whatever now i'm hoping that michigan gets their shit together and goes down there and just kicks their teeth in we'll see but yeah i threw that out to my followers essentially you know I, I, I put it never, out there too. I didn't get yeah. near the engagement, but <laughs> I would never. And essentially, what I'm getting at, I did a poor job setting that up. Is who are you going to cheer for, Big Ten fans, in the playoffs? So everybody's coming back with Washington, which I get, but that's not what that wasn't my question that I put on Twitter. It was it was who are you going to cheer for, Alabama versus Michigan? Now, if I'm a Ohio State fan or Michigan State fan, I ain't ever cheering for Michigan, and I wouldn't want them cheering for me. I, f- I fully I was... expect that. Yes, like, yeah, but... I, I'm not, not rooting for them. So we know Michigan fans are rooting for and We know Michigan State and Ohio State fans are not. The other 11 Big Ten fan bases is what I'm curious in. 
I would say it's it's about even right now. Most of them are coming back. Like, listen, you you, you have yeah, to. Cheer. I think it, it's leaning hard the other way. Well, it, I would say the more the more rational thinking people are starting to respond. I will not be cheering for Alabama. I, I I will tell you that right now. I mean, my dream would be Michigan, Washington. That would be fantastic. But you know, obviously, we'll break down. Well, you know, something else game. to think about here is we 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 do kind of have a Big Ten versus SEC and a Big Ten versus SEC we matchup do. if you look at it, because Texas yeah. is going to the SEC, Washington coming to the Big Ten. Kind of, we, we kind of got that already. It is some. I've seen this on Twitter already. It's already kind of the start of the era of the Big Two of the Big Ten oh, and yeah. SEC. It's 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 already taken place right here. And I mean there was a I, I can't remember there was a point where something like 80% of the teams in the top 15 were future SEC or Big Ten teams. Something like that. So we've seen right. it all year and now we see it in the college football playoff. On a positive note, I will say Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama, elite uniforms. This is going to be a great uniform matchup uh in the Rose Bowl. Michigan's home blues versus Alabama's, you know, simple but clean road. That that'll be awesome. Washington getting away on natural grass. On natural grass with the San and was it San and what's the mountains? San Andreas. Not, I always uh, want to say San Andreas, but yeah. Again, folks, brain not working. And then Washington being the home team with the purple being able to play the clean all white Texas man. That's that's some good stuff for for uniforms. Our game, I felt that's that's a that is a good uniform game. I was home, Michigan's blues on the you know, uh, uh, all whites on the road. Those that was a clean Big Ten football matchup. Right yeah, there. I like the all white better for Michigan than the all blues. Blue line, but I like the yeah. all whites better. Michigan all whites way, way better. I, I, I just wish you were. I would love to see you in the blue top maze pants for the Rose. I Bowl. hope they please, do for the Rose Bowl because that's like that's like Rose a traditional Bowl. one. I know I think, that they yeah. like wearing. They're gonna wear the all blues, though. You know they are. They call them their big game blues. I don't, I, I'm not a fan, but you don't. And I know it's for the players and the coaches and stuff like that. But you don't need a uniform to get a big game feel when you're playing the college football players. Yeah, or the, you I, know, like Jesus you know how kids are these days. Now yeah, get off our stupid. All right, um, that's about it. That's all I got. Anything else you wanted uh, to break down? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, yep. it's. It, by it's, the way. Congratulations to you. Uh, I, I, thank you. I I'm mean, happy for you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know a lot of more people, but I am happy for for you. You're, you're you're a good guy. I like when good fans get rewarded. So good on you. Well, we uh, like all the players have been echoing. There's there's more to be done. I think this team had higher goals than this getting into the zone. Yeah, always where they wanted. So now they got to execute. We've been to this point two years yes. in a row. I mean, it's time to get over that hump. There's no more excuses. Like it's you got to do it. I will be, I'll have some tough questions for you when we get closer to what exactly has gone on. Because it's not just the college football playoffs, it's Harbaugh and the Bulls to have just, it's just been a disaster. Because, I mean, now that's all you're going to hear for the next three weeks, right? Oh, yeah. As a Michigan fan, that is it. It will be nonstop on Twitter. So we'll talk about that as well. As, as well as the other happenings around the Big Ten, as we sit here tonight, Jordan and I don't have an exact plan on how this will go down, but we will do a bull breakdown, obviously, for all the Big Ten Bulls. My guess is we'll probably split it up into maybe, you know, two podcasts, like one that'll be the earlier bull games, one that'll be the later bull games. I, I don't exactly have it figured out, but. Yeah, we got to look at the like dates, how yeah. everything falls and how many games there yep. on the calendar. So we'll find a way to make it. We'll figure that out. Then we know that there's going to be more and more dudes 
jumping into the transfer portal, you know, stuff moving around, stuff like that. So we'll have some stuff to talk about for sure in the month of December, but you might not hear from us. You're not going to hear from us twice a week uh, right now. It'll be, it could be another week or even two uh, before we get another podcast out, unless there's something crazy that happens. So we, but we will get back to you uh, with the schedule ASAP. Does that sound good, Jordan? That works for me. And I, you know, I know we still got more to do, but I want to th- I want to thank you for bringing me into this. I have enjoyed this season immensely. Talking ball, anytime I can talk Big Ten football, I'm down to do it. I hope eyes on big listeners. I have done you guys proud. I know my Michigan homerism kind of comes out once in a while, <laughs> but we're all fans, you know. That's part of being the fan of college football. I'd like to think I brought a little bit of rationale and a little bit of good takes to the pod. Trying. Kurt shoes is never easy, but I right. tried to do it the best I could. So appreciate you bringing me on. Appreciate all the listeners welcoming me in. And I look forward to doing some more of this as this bowl season goes. So, I really appreciate the kind words towards directed at me. I have certainly gotten a ton of texts and DMs to people saying that you're doing a great job. My my parents, they 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 listen to the podcast. They oh, just I'm good. It. If they I got my, if I got grandma, grandma Instagram. Greek, yeah. I am yeah. good. I feel good. Yeah, you're obviously uh, your takes on the gambling side of thing is typically, you know, very well received by people that, that that tend to put a little shekels here and there on the game. So we loved having you on. We're not chasing you off anytime soon. So glad you've been along with us. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.